Well, happy Easter, everyone. My name is Brian. In case you don't know who I am, I'm one of the lead pastors here at Walnut Hill. And we're just so joyful to be able to celebrate Easter with you in this way. I'm sure that this will go down as one of the most memorable Easter's for all of us because it looks so different. But we're just so glad that we can celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. So welcome to Easter 2020, friends. This is a memorable one. I can think of several memorable Easter's for me throughout my life. This certainly ranks up there. When I was six years old, I remember waking up and we discovered that our dog ate all of the Easter candy. Now, if you can imagine that, you can probably think about what happened next. And my dad had to do a lot of cleanup. Thankfully, the dog lived. I don't know how the dog lived from eating all of the chocolate, but also from surviving my mom in that moment. But somehow the dog lived, but all of our Easter candy was eaten. I even remember our dog ate the the green grass that was in the basket as well. Everything just gone. So my dad, to make up for it, went out and got us some different gifts for my sister and my brother and I. And for my brother and I, he got us two Louisville Slugger baseball bats, wooden baseball bats. We were so excited. We went outside and we were hitting a ball into the fence. I was kind of on on top of this little hill. My brother was below me. We were just hitting tennis balls into the fence. And at one point, mine went into the fence and it went down this way. And I turned. And as I turned, while my brother was in mid-swing, he hit me right here on the eye. I went down, blacked out for a little bit, and I was just bleeding. My parents had to take me to the emergency room. I had 36 stitches that day, six layers of stitches. I remember sitting in the hospital as my dad nearly fainted uh, on the ground, and he had to sit down. And uh, I'll always remember that Easter. It was a memorable Easter. I also think about when I was about 23 years old, the very first time I met Becca's family was at Easter. Now, Becca is a part of a very large family, and what I've learned is large families travel with other large families. So we pull up on Easter to her parents' house, and there are probably 50 to 60 people there. Right now, as my in-laws are listening to this, they're probably thinking to themselves, We met Brian on Easter? (laughs) I don't think anybody even knew I was there. We came out of Easter. They did a huge Easter egg hunt. They hide 2,400 eggs. That's something like small towns do. I walked out with $50 because of all the eggs I found. We were driving out and I looked at Becca and I said, Becca, you know that this is not normal, right? She had no idea. That's going to be a memorable Easter for me. Certainly this is a memorable Easter. It's like none that we've experienced before. But as a friend directed me to this passage that we're studying today in Luke chapter 24, it's also this story is found in John chapter 20, that actually the, the Easter we're experiencing right now is not that much different than the first Easter. You see, in the first Easter, Jesus rises from the dead and then he appears in a locked room with his disciples. His disciples had locked themselves in this room, separated themselves from everybody else in fear of what people might do to them. If they killed their Jesus, would they be put to death too? And so there they are behind locked doors. You might feel 
like you're behind locked doors right now. You might feel like you've been kind of imprisoned in your home for this season. Well, it wasn't that much different at the very first Easter. And it's into this context that Jesus comes and he shows his disciples something or several things about himself. And then he tells them something that's very important. And so what I want to do today on this very special and unique Easter is that I believe Jesus wants to show something to us about himself. And I believe Jesus wants to tell us something. So let's start by what does Jesus want to show us? You see, as we look at our passage today in Luke 24 and John chapter 20, Jesus rises from the dead and, and he meets the disciples in that, in that room. He, he demonstrates, he shows something to his disciples that's really important. Really three things I want to share with you, and, and I think they apply to us as well right now in this season, in this time period. You see, the first thing that Jesus shows about himself to his disciples is this, is that he can overcome any obstacle. The doors were locked. It would have been really difficult for any human being to get through those doors. They were locked shut. The disciples were trying to keep people out, but this was not an obstacle for Jesus. He simply appears. It says he suddenly appears. It reminds me a little bit of when Jesus comes to earth as an infant and the shepherds are there and these angels come and they, they speak to the shepherds and it says suddenly, suddenly, a whole heavenly host full of angels come and, and rejoice and sing praises. Suddenly, Jesus appears on this planet. But now here, suddenly, Jesus appears again in this room. And not a locked door can hold him back. You think about how he can overcome any obstacle. The locked door was no problem. Just like the stone in front of his grave was no problem. This is what our Jesus does is he rolls stones away. He, he walks into impossible situations and he changes them. Our Jesus can do what nobody else can do. This is who our Jesus is. And when we think about Easter and what he, what he did from, from rising from the dead, he can do what nobody else can do. And friends, right now you might see a giant stone right in front of you, an obstacle in front of you that you, you can't overcome. Maybe you've been trying to. Well, our Jesus can overcome any obstacle. Maybe it's an addiction for you. Turn to Jesus. He can overcome any obstacle. Maybe it's a, a friendship that needs repair. Maybe it's a, a marriage that out, it's out of harmony. Our Jesus can overcome any obstacle. The second thing that Jesus really wanted to show his disciples in this moment, he wants to show us as well, is that he can drown out any fear. Notice that Jesus enters this scene with the disciples in this locked room. They're, they locked the doors because they were fearful. And it's understandable why they were so fearful. Their, their leader had just been put to death. And certainly now the, the Romans, the, the, the Jewish folks would have been coming after them next because they followed Jesus. Certainly they had a lot to be fearful for. But Jesus enters into this moment. He enters into this moment and he tells them something so powerful. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But he enters their fear. He ministers to their fear. He alleviates their fear. And I wonder, friends, right now, maybe you're in a position where you are afraid, where there's fear. 
and I would say understandably so, there's, there's reasons to, to fear, to, to be afraid. But it's right into this moment, right on this Easter day, that Jesus wants to enter to share something with us. He wants to enter to show us that he's present with us, that he's right here, that he wants to walk with us through this season, through that pain, through that suffering, through that trouble, through that trial, through that fear that exists in your life. The third thing that Jesus wanted to show them about himself here is that he is alive. Jesus, by subtly appearing before his disciples, was declaring that he was alive. He is alive. No, it's really hard to deny that somebody's alive when they're standing right in front of you. So Jesus doesn't send a note saying, hey, guess what? Jesus rose from the dead. No, he appears before them in flesh. There he is. He's standing there. He allows them to touch his hands, to look at him, to eat with him. He is alive. Friends, I want, to know that, I want you to know that Jesus has risen from the dead. He is alive and he wants to be alive in your life. He, he wants to, to live with you, to walk with you. Maybe in this moment, you're asking yourself though, well, how do I know that he's alive? How, how can I even know that this whole resurrection thing is, is real? Why should I believe that Jesus rose from the dead? I wanna talk about that a little bit here. Because on Easter, Jesus is declaring that I am alive, I am real. Why should we believe it? You know, when I think about the resurrection of Jesus, when I think about Easter, I think about several things. You see, you don't have to throw your mind away to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Don't do that. You don't have to be crazy to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Now, some of us who believe in Jesus are crazy, all right? We understand that. But you don't have to throw your mind away. Use your reasoning. Use your mind to help you arrive at why we believe so strongly that Jesus rose from the dead. I want to encourage you to check out the resurrection for yourself. You see, when I think about the resurrection, I think about several different things. The first thing I think about is an empty tomb. I think about how, how there, Jesus was laid in a tomb and then there was no body in that tomb. This is an amazing thing. This is a, a miracle, of course, but, but we can believe in this miracle. We can trust this miracle as we, as we think about it. As I think about the empty tomb, I, I think about several different things that, that help me understand and believe that there was and is an empty tomb. The first is this, is I think about how the disciples, when they went out to preach the good news and they preached about the resurrection of Jesus, they started in Jerusalem. Now, I would think that if there wasn't an empty tomb and I was going to fabricate this story, I would leave Jerusalem where Jesus was put to death and buried. That's where his tomb was. I would leave there, go as far away as, as that, of that place as possible and begin to tell the story. But no, they decide to tell the story right in Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus says, start in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, throughout Samaria, throughout Judea, to the ends of the earth. They start in Jerusalem, the place where it happened. It would have been very easier for people to say, no, 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 the tomb's not, not empty. Look, it's right here. The stone's still there. But no, they start in Jerusalem because that, that tomb was empty. The, the second thing I think about when I think about the empty tomb is this, is that even the skeptics, came up with excuses why the tomb was empty. They didn't say, no, the tomb's not empty. Jesus is still in the tomb. No, they came up with excuses to say why there was an empty tomb. Why would the skeptics do that? Because there was an empty tomb. 
And so they said, well, somebody must have stolen the body. They wouldn't have come up with that reason had the tomb been full. The third thing I think about with the empty tomb is this, is the accounts that we have, many of them are written by the disciples. And the disciples share unflattering details about themselves in this story, just to show the accuracy of what took place. Remember, the disciples had had fled away. They weren't even at the cross. Jesus had to go to the shore of of, of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, in order to retrieve them back. And and he had to meet the, the travelers on the road to Emmaus to get them to come back. They had scattered. And they share these unflattering details about where they were and their distrust in in what was happening. This just shows you that they were more concerned about accuracy than fabricating a story. When I think about the resurrection of Jesus, I think about the empty tomb. But the second thing I think about when I think about the resurrection of Jesus is this, is I think about his appearances to so many different people. He appeared to so many different people to to show and to prove the fact that he had risen from the dead. And so now you have to ask yourselves, because most scholars believe that the disciples believed that they had experiences with the risen Jesus. So now you have to ask yourself, what happened there? Did they really have experiences with the risen Lord Jesus? So here are the options. One, the disciples were lying. But as you think about that, why would they hold on to this lie to their death. Many of them crucified themselves. Would you hold on to that lie? I I just don't, I don't see that happening. Or maybe some people would say, well, maybe they were hallucinating. They, They would just kind of, they thought they saw the risen Jesus, but they were just hallucinated. Maybe in their mourning, they were seeing things that didn't really exist. But as you look at all the different accounts, you see, well, In a hallucination, you can't eat with somebody. You can't touch that person. And these are the accounts that actually the disciples, they ate with Jesus. They, They touched him. And even beyond that, think about, you know, when you have a hallucination, hallucinations are individual. So a person might hallucinate about something. But groups of people don't hallucinate about the same exact thing. In fact, Jesus appeared before 500 people at one time. Were all of them hallucinating the same exact thing? You know, it's like dreams. You never walk into a room with your family or whoever, your friends, and say, man, didn't we have a great dream last night? Oh, you never say that. You know, you come in and you say, I had a great dream last night. Let me share it with you. Because we don't dream, we don't hallucinate these things in in, in a corporate sense. They're, They're individual. Think about all the different people that Jesus appeared before. Mary Magdalene, his mother Mary, Peter, the disciples, these travelers on the road to Emmaus. In 1 Corinthians, we we learn about how he appeared before 500 people at one time. Just imagine if we were able to be together, 500 of us together. Jesus appears before us. And then he, he rises to heaven, gives the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now we're left to have to continue to share this story. If it wasn't true, you'd have to have somebody come up and say, hey, listen, 500 people, listen, here's the deal. We're gonna tell everybody that Jesus rose from the dead and that we all saw him. We're all good with that? Now listen, some people are gonna wanna put you to death. In fact, some of you are going to be put to death for this lie. Are we still all in? Can you imagine trying to organize that kind of front It's just impossible. So did the disciples really see Jesus? I think they really saw him and they were testifying about their risen 
Jesus. The third thing I think about when I think about the resurrection of Jesus is I think about the growth of the church. It's amazing what what happens, how the church grew exponentially by thousands and thousands, almost on a weekly basis. It just grew this movement of, of this belief that Jesus rose from the dead. And you think about it, these disciples, they were scattered before Jesus appeared before them. After his death, they kind of scatter. And then Jesus comes, he appears before them, and all of a sudden the church grows. So what happened? Something significant must have happened for them to go from being scattered in doubt and mourning to then boldly and confidently preaching this truth that Jesus rose from the dead. What happened? It must be that they saw Jesus, which caused them to step out and share this great story, this great reality that Jesus rose from the dead. It'd be like if, if my friend who's a Yankees fan just all of a sudden came to me and said, hey, listen, I root for the Red Sox now. I would ask him, what changed your mind? What happened? Something must have happened for you to, to change allegiance to the Red Sox. And this is what happened for the disciples. They had scattered. They were mourning. They were without hope. Then all of a sudden they were out and they were preaching the good news that Jesus rose from the dead. What happened to make that shift? It must have been that they saw Jesus. The last thing that I'll share with you is this. Why do I believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Why do I believe that Jesus is alive? Well, because I've experienced Jesus in my own life. Friends, if Jesus really is alive, we should see him in other people's lives. We should see him moving. We should, we should see him affecting and transforming people's lives. And I can just tell you from personal experience, I experience Jesus Christ in my life each and every day. That I, I'm blessed because the Lord, he speaks to me. He, he convicts me. He aligns me. He redirects me. He uses me. To, to bring glory to himself. Let me just give you a quick story about this that just happened a few weeks ago about how God is active in my life. And I could tell you hundreds of these stories and I'm sure many of you can tell you hundreds of these stories of Jesus actively involved in our life right now. This story, I, I was at a conference and there was a, a, a speaker there who leads a, a ministry and he was speaking, and, and right as he was speaking, the Lord gave me a passage of scripture to share with him. It comes out of Genesis chapter 13. Think about how big the Bible is, and, and how the Lord just gave me this one verse, okay? He said, chapter 13 of Genesis. It's the story of Abraham, how the Lord was going to bring Abraham into the promised land that God had promised him. And, and God instructs Abraham to walk the length of the land and the, and the width of the land. He wanted Abraham to, to experience all of the land. He was going to take him to the borders, to the edges of everything he had given him. And, and I sense the Lord wanted me to share this verse with the speaker. And, and also I felt the Lord saying that what he wanted to do in this ministry that this, this man was leading was to expand it to the borders, expand it out bigger than he imagined. So I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to go and share that with him. I went up to him. I said, hey, listen, I just want to tell you, I, I, I don't know if this is okay or not, but Lord gave me a verse. I want to share it with you. It's Genesis chapter 13, where Abraham goes out to, to the length and width of the land to, to examine it. And I believe the Lord wants to take your ministry and expand it to the borders beyond what you could ever think or imagine. The Lord's with you in that. I turned away. He, he said, thank you. I felt like maybe it was encouraging. I, I turned away. I began to walk out. 
And all of a sudden I felt this hand on my shoulder and it was him. And he said, you know what, Brian, I, I couldn't get the words out in the, in the moment, but I have to tell you, um, I was just reading Genesis 13 this week and the Lord was challenging me saying that I'm gonna expand your ministry. But I kept saying back to the Lord, I can't, Lord, I can't. There's no way that we can do this. There's no way we can handle it. And now all of a sudden the Lord brought you to me to give me the same exact verse. I think the Lord's calling me to, to move out in boldness. I was like, oh, praise God, that's amazing. The Lord is speaking to you right here, right now. Friends, that's nothing I manufactured. That's nothing that, that I did in my own power or gifts or, or skill set. No, this is God. This is Jesus alive in me that, that gave me this word to give to him. It's such a privilege and a joy to walk with the Lord. Many of you know this experience and it's such a humbling experience that our Jesus is alive, he's active, and he's moving in our life. Friends, he can overcome any obstacle. He can drown out any fear and he's alive. This is what Jesus wants to show each and every one of us this Easter. But he also wants to tell us something. And I'll end with this. He, he wants to tell us something. I love the fact that Jesus, he, he comes in, he suddenly appears, he enters this locked room with his disciples. And he could have said anything in this moment. He, he could have chosen to say anything. But, but he said something twice to them, which, which means he really wanted them to hear it. And this is what he said, into their fear, into their locked room, overcoming all these obstacles, death, the, the, the rock in front of his grave, the locked door, overcoming all these obstacles right into their fear. This is what he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I don't think Jesus came in and said that without confidence. I think he said it with confidence. I don't think Jesus came in and said, you know, as a question, peace be with you. No, he came in because of the work that he accomplished on the cross. He died for our sins. He came in as the victorious king and he said, peace be with you. There's no more reason to fear. Peace be with you. Although you may die here on this earth, you have eternal life in me. Peace be with you. See, friends, in Jesus Christ, we can have peace. Peace with God, peace within ourselves, and peace with others. You see, what Jesus did on the cross is that he died for our sins, removing the wrath of God on our lives so that we can come into the presence of God with, with Jesus Christ, holding the hand of Jesus, being invited into the presence of God, completely forgiven. Actually, the Lord looks upon us and he sees the righteousness of his son, Christ Jesus. We are forgiven. We are purified. We've been set free to be the children of God in his presence. We can also experience peace within. There'll be no more of this inward uh, toil or, or, or war within us. But we can have peace within, knowing that we've been set free and cleansed. And we can enjoy peace with one another knowing that we have so much in common, actually, because we have the same king, we have the same father, we have the same mission here on earth to bring the love of Jesus Christ to all people. Peace. I want you to know the peace of God this Easter. I wonder for you, will this be a memorable Easter? And I'm not talking about memorable just because of the unique situation that we find ourselves in. But I wonder for some of you, if this will be a memorable Easter, will you mark it on your calendar even today? 
You'll put it into your phone calendar or on your calendar, on your refrigerator. You'll put Easter 2020, the day I gave my life to Jesus. You see, how do we receive this peace, friends? It doesn't come through a formula. It doesn't come through an achievement. It doesn't come through a measure of success. It comes through a person and his name is Jesus. You can experience this peace now. I can tell you a few things about peace. You can't manufacture peace. You can run away from peace or you can receive peace. And you receive peace by saying, Jesus, would you be the Lord of my life? I pray that this would be the most memorable Easter for those of you who have never made that commitment, that this would be a memorable Easter because today you would say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Hey friends, happy Easter. Keep going. We are praying for you. We love you. We hope that today would be a day filled with hope because of what Jesus has done for us, because of what Jesus is doing in our lives and because of what Jesus will do. He's returning again. I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.